Warning, Star Trek from the holodeck contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Walk it alone! Fire! Holodeck 3 program is reinstated. Open sesame! Commander Klingon vessel. We are energizing transport of him. Now. Welcome, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck. I'm your captain, and at the Ensign chair. Yes, we give the Ensigns chairs in this show. <laughs> we do tell them to shut up, though, like Picard does to Wesley. Pretty much any Ensign. <laughs> ensign David. Hello, David. Well, you got to start somewhere. It's better than starting on the lower deck, I guess. Oh, look at you <laughs> slipping that right on in. All right, so if you want to listen to the live fun all season long, be sure to text RMD69. That's right, RMD69 to 5097. I don't have my notes, Dave. <laughs> That's a great way to start the show. So, well, it is a little late. It is a little it, late for us. It is a lot later than we normally do shows, so I'm flying... You know, at warp 9.9 with no sleep. And I have the uh, Klingon flu. So we'll see how this goes. You truly need uh, like a holodeck suite just to actually take a break. I need the type of suite designed by either Quark or uh, Barclay. <laughs> Those are the only way. That's the only way to go. <laughs> you don't want the like the nude gym that basically we saw um, in Lower Decks. No, no, no. Well, if I could, instead of having all nude males, I would go with like, hey, you know what? Create Flora's program, all new seven of nines. I mean, that'd be. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So welcome, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck, courtesy of Rain Man Digital. And you're listening to us live on RM Channel 001 via TuneIn. Uh, we will be live as much as possible for the next 23 weeks talking Star Trek, as this is the beginning of a 23-week stint of Trek. We have Lower Decks for 10 weeks followed by the season three premiere of Star Trek Discovery. And David, you and I will be here every step of the way. Yep. No matter what. <laughs> well, come on. That's are you saying that because it's not going to be a great time? We're no, gonna, no, no, no. Okay. Let's be positive. Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Positive. Or I'm going to feed you to a triple. In all, in all seriousness, it's actually an exciting time for Star Trek because you Dude, have 23 like, weeks, 23 weeks. That's awesome. And you have two series that are are premiering back to back. Yeah. Oh man. We were supposed to have Picard season two follow up discovery. Yeah. Season three. So we would have had a freaking field day, dude. You imagine what that would have been. been what? Like, like, oh, that would have been man. close to 33 weeks. That Jeez. would have been insane. That would have been probably the most. Yeah. I think that would have been probably the most star Trek I've ever seen in a very long time. Yeah. Because right. like the, the, the closest thing that basically, probably comparable to it was when Voyager released at the same time as the final season of Star Trek next generation. Well, we had next Gen No, no, no. We have next we had next generation running parallel to Deep Space, Deep Nine, Space 9 and then we had Deep Space 9 running parallel with Voyager. Voyager, that's right. Yeah. All right, so as I said, if you want to uh, if you want in on the live fun, text RMD69 to 50597 and you will receive push notifications whenever an RMD show goes live or is about to go live. Uh, and you're going to want that during these 23 weeks. We're going to try to stay on a schedule, probably Thursdays, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard. But yes, text RMD69 to 50597. And you will receive those push notifications. We also might be opening up a live call-in channel on Discord soon. I know there's a lot of people with a lot of thoughts when it comes to Trek. And I know Picard just had so much responses <laughs> when we were talking. And luckily, no one chopped our heads off. Most people agreed with us uh, and our or agreed with our thoughts on Picard. Yeah. So I am thinking of opening up a specific channel on our Discord soon. If that's something that sounds enticing to you listeners out there, please. 
feel free to drop me a message on our Twitter or our Facebook page. I would love to get some listener involvement on the show. Especially on Star Trek, because Star Trek, as a franchise in itself, kind of kind of started the whole, you know, like everyone's, all the fandom is pretty much in unison about talking about Trek. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be fun. So for today's show, to kick off the 23 weeks of Trek, we are going to be talking about CBS All Access's all-new animated comedy series, Star Trek Lower Decks. Yes, we are going to break down and discuss Lower Decks Season 1, Episode 1, titled Second Contact, directed by Barry J. Kelly and written by Michael McCann, McMahon, McMahon. I'm not sure if it's McMahon or McMahon. I think it's McMahon. Yeah, I, 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 keep, on, I keep wanting to put that A in there. McMahon. Man. <laughs> McMahon. 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 <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it is late. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. All right, so Star Trek Lower Decks is an American adult animated web television series created by CBS All Access by Mike McMahon. It is part of an expansion of the Star Trek franchise headed by the executive producer, Alex Kurtzman. It is the first animated series created for All Access. And are you ready? First animated Star Trek series since the 1973-74 series, Star Trek, the animated series. Lower Decks follows the support crew of the USS Cerritos Cerritos. Cerritos. Cerritos in the year 2380. McMahon serves as showrunner of the series. All right. So, Dave, for me, this was an intriguing concept. Number one, we haven't had a Trek animation since the 70s. Number one. Exactly. Number two, obviously, I'm a super fan of Trek. We are super fans of Trek. Number three, Mike McMahon was a writer, producer, and former fourth season showrunner for Rick and Morty. Yes. And I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty. Yeah, his work on Rick and Morty was just phenomenal. Well, Rick and Morty is silly, but it's a very intelligent show. Yes. Much of the substance is within the subtext. It's a very smart show. Yeah, it's one of those shows that you have to really, it forces you to pay attention even though like there's all this frenetic chaos happening. Yeah. There's actually a a, a really deep story being told. Yeah. yeah. But you just have to pay attention to it. Right. And that's why I was very anxious and excited for this show Same when here. they had announced that Mike McMahon was going to be taking the reins as showrunner. I mean, I got, I got pretty fucking excited for it. Oh yeah. And that being said, this show does have potential. Yes. It's not what I had hoped for, but it's not bad. I'm able to reconcile my preconceptions and accept the show for what it was or is. It was fun and overall a very easy watch. Yeah. McMahon did set up a storyline as well, which we will get into that in a moment. I feel like there's a lot of possibilities for this show. The sky's the limit for a series like this. Yeah, because like the the thing is, it's what they're trying to aim for is something that we've never seen in Star Trek before. And just like you, I was I had my expectations Re- pretty high on this series but if uh, yeah. everyone's been listening to the our past couple shows those expectations start tapering because you know uh, we started discussing about the fact that do we want to have a star trek animation comedy or do we want a rick and morty star trek animation comedy yeah you know and well and i wasn't expecting rick and morty i let i i mean even alex kurtzman i believe said Several months back, he actually said, do not expect this to be the same tone as Rick and Morty. Yeah. And just because the showrunner and producer of Rick and Morty, one of the showrunners and one of the writers of Rick and Morty is taking on, you know, a Star Trek cartoon. I didn't expect it to be like like Rick and Morty. Like Rick and Morty. But as is the case with Rick and Morty, it's very deep. It's it's embedded within the narrative, but it is a very deep show. Yes. There's a lot going on. There's some there's a heart, there's a soul. So I was expecting a little bit of that. And yes, we are episode one in. So 
I'm willing to sit back, relax and enjoy the show for what it is. And I'm hoping as the show moves forward, it does move into that territory. Uh, Dave, what were your initial thoughts in a nutshell? My initial thoughts on it was. I like McMahon's style. Mm-hmm. I like his style. Agreed. The, the, the really, what really kind of uh, was hit or miss for me is comedy itself. But comedy is a really hard thing to write. The jokes have to land. And if you just throw tons and tons of jokes at the, at the screen, yeah, one's going to hit, but there's more magic when it all of a sudden multiple hits happen. Multiple orgasms. Yeah. If you will. Right. Multiple Dave orgasm. Yes. And like here, I would say that basically I had two multiple orgasms oh, two. or two. Wow. That's, two orgasms. In don't this be episode. greedy with your orgasms. Dave. <laughs> two is a lot. Two is a lot. And I appreciate that. It's better than no, no, no orgasms. Right. Most people do appreciate orgasming. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> but like, I think that just like what you said, there's, there's something here that they started. Yeah. I think when I initially came, came in, I should have tapered my expectations and said, I'm not going to get something that's going to just smack a home run. Right. And I was expecting a home I, run. I agree. I agree, Dave. I think that's again, I don't want to start this off by sounding negative by any means, because I, I, I enjoyed the show, but when you look at Rick and Morty first episode in home run, home run. And then the new show that Mike McMahon also created just two months ago, uh, solar opposites first episode in not as good as Rick and Morty, but still a home run in that very first episode. This one had a bit of a, a rocky start just because I'm not quite sure what they're doing with the show. Exactly. With Rick and Morty, I understood what they were doing with the show from the get-go. With Solar Opposites, I understood what they were doing with the show from the get-go. This one, I'm just not certain what they're attempting to do. Is this a comedy? Is this a legitimate Star Trek series? Is this a parody? And Which I hope to God it's not a parody because there's so many Trek parodies out there today done by people that know how to do parody. And it's fantastic. So why have Star Trek developed their own series that's just making fun of itself? I, it's a, yeah, I, I don't know if that's something that any of us really want actually produced by the creators of Star Trek themselves or the the current producers of Trek themselves. Leave that for better comedians that that's their thing parody is their thing leave it to people like seth um what's his name seth green or robot chicken seth green is the other seth too uh, uh seth mcfarland mcfarland leave it for those guys that's what those guys do best when it comes to star trek and our producers you know i, I don't know if i don't know if parody is something that we're gonna want to you know, sign in to CBS All Access every week and watch. Exactly. Yeah. And that's my only thing is I'm not quite sure what the show is going to be. And that's why letting it be made clear right now, I am being very patient and I'm going to have an open mind because I want to see what they're going to do. And I'm hoping, as I said, the show does have possibilities. It has potential. And I'm hoping the show does establish its own mythos as well as bringing in familiar elements of Trek. I would hate for this show to simply be the greatest hit series, a show simply designed so we can have fun with callbacks to previous Trek series. Yeah. Essentially, as I said, a parody show. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is kind of like, it has to be lower decks has to be able to fit into the star Trek universe. It has to be its own thing in order for it to be successful. It has to be its own thing. It has to be its own thing. Comedy. Fine. Silly. Fine. Lighthearted. Fine. But a parody. No, no, it has to be, it has to be Trek as well. Yeah. Be Trek, but be something else. And I'm hoping there's something within the show's writing that will aid in the show's ability to, in the show's ability to live up to the name Trek. And especially since with the characters they introduced to us, there's a lot of potential in some of those characters. For sure. I mean, I liked them. I, I liked I all the characters. I liked all the characters. There was yeah. no, none of the characters 
that I was turned off by that I was like going, eh, I'm, I don't know if I can get behind that character. All the characters were very, very charismatic. Mm-hmm. And as I said, the, the weird part was kind of like you. I felt awkward watching it because I was like going, okay, is this supposed to be are they making fun of are they making fun of Star Trek as a parody a la Robot Chicken? Mm-hmm. Right. Or I, didn't, I don't think they went that far. Yeah, I don't think they went that far, but are they going that are they going to go that far? See, and that's where I was kind of scratching my head because I felt like they weren't quite committing to any one direction. Yeah. It's it felt like they weren't quite sure what they wanted the show to be. Is it a parody? Is it a comedy? Is it a true Star Trek series with a little bit of levity? Because it did have some moments of, oh, this is this is nice. This feels like Trek. Yeah. You know, for the briefest of moments. There's expectations. Let's, you know, make that clear. There There's expectations that come with anything that uses the phrase or the title Star, Star Trek. Trek. If you have Star Trek in your title, there's going to be expectations. We can have funny. We can have really silliness. We can have a funny, silly show. But at the end of all that, what are you saying? Is there anything that resembles Trek? Because whether you choose to go down the comedy route or the dramatic route, if you're going to have Trek in that title, then I feel like at the end of the day, you should, your goal should be to create a series that is Star Trek. It doesn't yeah. matter what your mode of transport is in terms of genre. Because it goes back to that. that Does very, that make sense? Yeah, because it goes back to the question that me and you have discussed in the last couple of shows that Gene Roddenberry himself has said is mm-hmm. what is your story about? What is it about? Right. And I kind of can see where they're what the story is about here because you have these very well done sprinkles of like breadcrumbs around the, around the episode that you go, right. there's something more that's going on around here. Mm-hmm. Especially when you get to the, the points of um, the, I think it's the captain and the admiral and you find out the big twist surprise of the uh, episode is one of the characters is tied to the captain. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to give away spoilers because I do believe that, any Trek fan should give this a shot. That would be that little angle at the end is the is the hook for me. If they didn't have that last bit at the end, I would have actually, I would have kind of shrugged and said, OK, I get what this is. But by that little bit there, you get the idea that we get a story essentially of a girl who's kind of lost and who's not accepted by her family and she likes to buck the system. Yeah, I'm hoping it becomes more prevalent as the series progresses. Mm hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Now, the concept in its broadest sense, Star Trek Lower Decks focuses on the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships in the year 2380. So that's how it was sold. Yes. And how it was pitched originally by Mike McMahon to the studio execs. What would normally be this would normally be. Well, hold on. Let me backtrack. What would normally be the A story of a Star Trek episode will happen in the background while the show focuses on the blunders of the four Starfleet support staff as the Cerritos explores the final frontier. So, as I said earlier, there's allusions to a more personal story. Yeah. Ensign Mariner and her inability to conform to Starfleet protocols. Ensign uh, Boilermer, Bulmer, Bulmer, yeah, with his by the book mentality, the duo does make for a very interesting odd couple type antics. Yeah, there does seem to be the beginnings of something with heart, possibly even the soul of Trek, but I can't say definitively until I see more. I think, especially when they uh, when they introduce Mariner and Bulmer. In the very beginning, mm-hmm. I noticed that they kind of there's this there's a, I got this weird, awkward moment where it was like. I had this feeling you don't they didn't want to compare these two mm-hmm. to Rick and Morty, you know, because right. like you, you have these two characters meet each other. And so these are the this is the pair of the the series. Right. Right. 
It's very similar to Rick and Morty. I mean, in what way? That they're a team up? They're a team? Yeah, or? They're, they're a team. Well, that it's a duo. Yeah. And so you feel like they were purposely trying hard not, not to be Rick and Morty? Yeah, they were purposely trying hard not yeah. to be Rick and Morty. Because, like, if you look at Mariner, when she shows up, she's like this frenetic typhoon that just shows up out of nowhere, ends up stabbing Bulmer in the leg. Yeah. And everything else. And it's it gave me the vibes that it's like Rick showing up. Right. You know? <laughs> Come on, Marty. Let's a, go. A bit of a, a hurricane, <laughs> a, hurricane a tornado of chaos. A, a, a disaster, a natural yeah. disaster showing up. Yeah. And listen, I don't have a problem with that, um, with there being similarities to Rick and Morty or even solar opposites. You're going to get that because, yeah, when because you're Mc- dealing with the same writer. The if, same writer. If you have the same writer or one of the writers, there's a style that comes with a lot of these individuals, a lot of these writers, these creators. And they're always going to bring their style with them to the next show. So that's not a negative to me, but I do hope, and I didn't pick up on this as you do, or as you did. Um, I'm hoping they don't purposely try to distance themselves from Rick and Morty style antics, because then that would be too obvious. It'd be like, well, you're obviously trying not to be not just, to be. just be you. Yeah. Mike man, McMahon, be you as a writer, write your show. And if, you know, whatever you churn out feels a little bit like something you've worked on before. It'll be different because you're governing it. You're governing that narrative within the world and confines of the Star Trek mythos. And, and so it will be different by default. Yeah. And the weird part was by the middle of the episode, that's when it, it for me, the episode started to, started to click because you had uh, yeah, I you agree. had this you had this moment where it's like okay he's he's focusing on the narrative now he's showing us the story mm-hmm. instead of all this frenetic chaos happening but it was just like what you said uh, alluded to in the beginning of the show it started off slow and then you get to the thankfully it happened in the middle because if it happened in the end i don't know if i'd be too happy with this episode yeah but he, he was able to find his his story, his narrative footing by the middle of the episode, and it started. You started seeing it as as they wanted it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I'm interested to see how the writing style evolves or continues on past this episode. There wasn't enough for me to truly delve deep into his style, but it feels like. It's being written in a very similar structure as Rick and Morty as Rick and, and Solar Morty. Opposites. It's yes. it's a it's a fuckery of of an act structure, and we'll get into it in a later show. I'm not really prepared to get into it. I want to wait till we see uh, more of Lower Decks before we start talking about the comparisons of writing style because there is a very specific style that um, who is the creator of Rick and Morty? Harmon, Dan Harmon. Does that sound right? I think it's Dan Harmon. Yeah, I believe it's Dan Harmon. There's a specific writing technique that he has implemented within the writing room of Rick and Morty. And it's a hybrid version of Joseph Campbell's writing technique, you know, the hero's journey. Yeah. And they kind of fuck with the act structure a bit. So I want to wait, but let's put a... Pen in that thought. Do not let me forget about that. I want to include that probably in our next either episode two discussion or episode three discussion after we have more to to um, wade through. That's the thing you need. That's why I fully say that we need to give this series a shot. Honestly, you, Dave, you I wish judge they, it. You can't judge it after the first no, episode. Like not at all. Of things. Not at all. I mean, you can give a fair review. Absolutely. Yeah. But to say without a doubt, well, this sucks or this is fantastic. You can't say that. You can't say that. A part of me wishes that they would have dropped at least two or three episodes. Same here. I thought that that it was, was very strange that they didn't. Yeah. And then give us those, um, the weekly episodes just so we can get a little bit more of a feeling for it. And I know some of the review sites out there were given four episodes to preview. And it seems like the ones who were given four episodes to review were the ones that have reviewed this series favorably so far. And the yes. ones who only saw the first 30 minutes have kind of been eh. kind of like us. Like, They're, Oh, it's, it's like, eh. yeah, it's all right. It's all right. So 
and first off, I'm a little angry that we didn't receive the four episodes. <laughs> I'm gonna have to reach out to CBS All Access and get on that list. Oh, dude, yeah, because we we need those early copies so we can knock out these reviews a lot faster. All right, so Yahoo Entertainment says that CBS All Access's new accesses new animated comedy series Star Trek Lower Decks achieves so perfectly. I don't understand that sentence, but that's their <laughs> sentence. Does that even make sense, David? Remember, it's Internet Reporter. CBS All Access's new animated comedy series, Star Trek Lower Decks, achieves so perfectly. I don't know what that means. <laughs> this may not be the best Trek series ever, according to Yahoo Entertainment, but based on the first four episodes, it might be the most Trek series ever. It isn't a riff. On Starfleet shenanigans, it's the real deal, raw and undiluted. Now, taking that paragraph there, I don't know if he was smoking like marijuana, some weed, <laughs> some sticky, icky, icky, some of that green, because I don't get that at all. Some of the, uh, the most the, Trek the series ever. Yeah. Now, the key word here is or phrase here, first four episodes. So I'm wondering if. It's just like we have said so far that it feels like it has potential. We need to see more. So I'm hoping over the course of these next three episodes, we start seeing what the uh, writer saw for Yahoo Entertainment, because if it becomes the real deal, raw and undiluted, fucking sign me up, dude. Yeah, because like and that's the problem is like that. That's after they've seen four episodes. Yeah. And like I see a lot of reviews actually today that basically there's the it's 50 50 with yeah. a lot of people because on, people have only watched episode one but i will say not one person i've read 15 different sites not one of those 15 have said it sucked yes i i, I will agree with that they, but but whereas like, picard was kind of it was 50 50 it was 50 oh my god i love it or oh my god this sucks there was no like <laughs> yeah it's a pretty good show it's okay it was amazing or it blew, it blew. <laughs> this one seems to be a, a very similar general consensus that it's it's it has potential it has potential it's fun let's see where it goes and the comedy you mentioned this a bit the comedy was fine it was the type of humor i had expected i do agree with your thoughts that it felt like let's see what sticks yeah and that also could be us, the viewer. Many times with these types of shows, it does take a moment or two, sometimes a couple episodes to kind of understand the comedy. Yeah, because it's like the, that with it's like that with Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, the 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 comedy it grows on you. And you have to be in sync with the comedy. Like with other things, you don't need to be in sync. You just need to sit back, watch, and pay attention. With this type of comedy, you have to be in sync with it. There's a rhythm. There's a rhythm yes. to the writing. There's a rhythm to the jokes. And once we find that 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 rhythm, either the jokes are going to fall into place and we're going to love them or we're going to say, wow, this isn't that great. And I don't feel like I've quite found that rhythm yet. Yeah. And that's what I mean is like when when I say that the first part of the episode, it seemed like they're it, it seemed like they were throwing things at the at They were the trying wall. to figure themselves out. And they were trying to figure themselves out. And I yeah. get that. Because there were funny moments, absolutely, that I chuckled pretty loud. The heart part where the ensign is pumping the what is it, the lieutenant's, the lieutenant's heart. heart. That was messed up. <laughs> yeah, and then when they basically become a ship full of zombies towards the end is when I really got into it. I yeah. was like, okay, I like this. This is pretty fucking fun. Uh, they are also finding creative ways to go with that mature twist. The fact that there was no blood, but there was like this black ooze coming out of them. It, they're trying to find ways to keep that mature tone without being gory or graphic gory or because graphic, both yeah. solar opposites and Rick and Morty drop F-bombs repeatedly, <laughs> and are graphically disturbing at times. And, oh, I, yeah. I, and disturbing. <laughs> and so, sometimes there's scenes like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. That's fucking far out there. And that's that's the style of McMahon is like, if you look at his resume, not only did he do Rick and Morty and Solar Opposites, but he was also part of the team that did Metalocalypse, 
which I've never watched that. Oh my God. It is the most awesome. One of the most awesome series that, that was uh, founded on adult swim and it's about a death metal band, but it is just graphic. Did you like it? (laughs) Yeah, it was actually really funny. Okay. So out of four McMahon shows, you enjoy his work. Let me say three because I won't include lower decks. So there's a big probability here that you are going to enjoy the show. Yeah. yeah. And th- that's the thing is kind of like I uh, I first had to I felt like I had to separate myself and say, OK, well, expectations, like I said, expectations were right. extremely high. And as much as I like his uh, McMahon's work, you're also mixing that type of humor with Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's very different. It's off, it's, it's off putting at first. It's off putting. It's off putting at first. Yes, and in the first five minutes, I did feel a little off with with the characters' introductions because I'm like going, okay, what what the hell is going on? What is who is this character? What the hell? She just stabbed him in the leg, and then all of a sudden, bang! It just goes into the show. Yeah, I I like that part actually. <laughs> But it is off-putting. It's you, off-putting. It, it's hard to figure it out because you see Star Trek, but it's like this isn't this isn't Star <laughs> this Trek. Isn't Star this Trek. is a comedy. Yeah. And um, and again, that's not a bad thing. I as I no. have oh al- I have always said this. I'm not a stickler for Star Trek always being next generation or the original series. I, I'm very open-minded when it comes to Trek and what they want to try with it. I feel like Trek can be almost anything within any genre, as long as you adhere to certain core ideals ideals. And as long as you adhere to those core principles that Gene Roddenberry has laid out for Star Trek, all those many years ago, if you respect him and respect Star Trek, then you can take this, this franchise into, into any genre, into any genre that, I mean, like the, by the middle of the episode, that right when it started clicking was when you started learning more and seeing more of the character's motives. You know, you started seeing more of Mariner's background. Yeah. Where she's not just a frenetic, you know, chaotic whirlwind. She's doing, she's trying to do the good thing and help, help the farmers out. And that's when I started actually seeing, okay, he's doing more than just right the slapstick comedy that you would expect in like these type of characters he's doing a narrative and you see there's something deeper deeper to mariner that she's not just this you know loose cannon that likes to drink romulan ale and stab her friends with a bat lift. Bat lift. <laughs> yeah so star trek lower decks takes place in the year 2380 this is an interesting setting of choice for a lot of reasons, and it's also another reason why I was excited. Because for those individuals out there, Dave, that might not know, this happens during the next generation era. If you can't tell yes. by the style and the uniform choice and the starships. Now, Star Trek Lower Decks 2380 setting is significant because it continues the exploration of the late 24th century. That began with Star Trek The Next Generation and continued with Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager. At 2380 means Lower Decks takes place after DS9's Dominion War and two years after the USS Voyager returned to Earth following being lost in the Delta Quadrant for seven years. Yes. This means Lower Decks happens well after the future... Admiral Janeway introduced a pathogen into the Borg Collective. So everything we have known of Star Trek at that time, all the big checkboxes have happened. Yes. We're in an area of Star Trek, the next generation that we have never been in before. Yeah, we're we're essentially we are in the time frame before Picard, before Picard and after Nemesis as well. This is apparently one year after the events of Star Trek Nemesis. So we are right in that area, Dave. Yeah. And that's a fun area. And that's another aspect that was really that got me very excited for this series because this is a, this is a timeline that we can have some fun 
with. I'm not against having fun. Okay, Dave, despite my my negative Nancy mentality at times, I'm not against having fun. I'm not against callbacks, but let's make sure that our callbacks are simply dressing that underneath that there's a a story with heart that there's its own mythos as well and that's something that i will be a stickler about this entire discussion for the next nine episodes that we have left let this be something more than just a comedy let this be something that could stand on its own feet that we can look back and say remember star trek lower decks there were some fucking amazing episodes in that comedy and those characters have to become just as iconic as characters from the other series. We have like to talk Voyager. about them. We, we have to talk. About we have them. to talk about them when we talk about other characters. Yeah. So fun time, definitely a fun era that we don't know a lot about. It'll and, be interesting. Well, you can have a lot of fun. You can bring yeah. up elements of Deep Space Nine. You could bring elements of Voyager, Voyager. into it. it Maybe even little things that only you know us Star Trek nutcases will actually follow yeah and speaking of that there were actually some quite a bit of um easter eggs as well now these were easter eggs and i could not keep track of the amount (laughs) of things they dropped on us they they mentioned kirk they mentioned spock spock (laughs) there was little things too. hold a talk for a second let me bring this up unless we want to go to a very quick break well the thing about the thing about like the Easter eggs. Me and you have always been a stickler about Easter eggs. It's kind of like. Well, many times they're not Easter they're eggs. They're not Easter eggs. <laughs> Here, this show has the potential to do Easter eggs right. Because the way that they do, say, like Easter eggs in, in a show like Rick and Morty, it's intelligently done. There's a reason why they do it. It's for style. It's for narrative. It's it's In it's, what? Uh, in Rick and Morty. When they do easter egg things where they do like easter eggs like calls to little geek things that only oh, yeah. geeks would know mm-hmm. those are actually proper easter eggs that are done here i i was actually surprised like you i was like going damn there's a lot of they're they're doing a lot of callbacks and call names and i hope yeah they don't overdo it but the amazing part was I appreciate what they did in the first episode because McMahon was just dancing on that tightrope of going way too overboard on, on like the Easter eggs. But the Easter eggs he did were actually pretty intelligent. Yeah. They, they, they matter. They actually gave us something more than just say, Hey, I'm just going to name this character out of nowhere for no apparent reason. (laughs) Yeah. I agree. Let's go to a very quick break, Dave, so that we can reset the board here. Plus, we need to pay those bills in order for us to stay on the air. So give me a second here because I got to pull up a a track here. And then when we get back, we're going to jump into some of these Easter eggs and discuss them briefly. Are you ready for that, Dave? Ready. All right. We'll be right back. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Star Trek from the Holodeck. 
This is the Lower Decks edition of our broadcast, where we're going to be breaking down, discussing for the next 10 weeks, Star Trek Lower Decks, the new CBS All Access Star Trek animated series. Remember, if you want to join in the fun for the next 23 weeks, because we're also going to be jumping right into Star Trek Discovery beginning in October, you want to join in on the discussions and the fun. You can listen to us live every week, Thursday, 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Text RMD69 to 50597, and you will receive push notifications whenever an RMD show is about to go live, including Star Trek from the Holodeck. All right, Dave. Oh, we're going to try to stick to that Thursday night thing, right? We can do yeah. that. We can do that, you think? Oh, yeah. Especially right. since, like, that's seems to be the hot spot for Star Trek. Yeah. All right. So Star Trek Lower Decks Easter eggs. Number one, I don't really know if this is an Easter egg. Romulan whiskey (laughs) or Romulan ale. I wouldn't really call that a Easter egg because they just flat out mentioned it. (laughs) Yeah. An Easter egg is usually something in the background background that that you don't draw attention to. It's it's, It's a subtle nod to something. Right. All right. So there was a mention of a Klingon with an eye patch. Something like this. Marina says she got her batleth from an old guy with an eye patch. While this could be a random reference, I'm inclined to believe that she was talking about the Klingon General Martok from Deep Space Nine. Yes. That's the one that I was thinking of. All right, Shuttlecraft names uh, reference DS9 and the name of the Cerritos itself. All the Shuttlecraft of the Cerritos appear to uh, have names after Force in California. We see Shuttlecraft with the following names, Redwood, Yosemite, and Joshua Tree. The Cerritos itself is named for the city in California. That's a reach. I don't think that's an Easter egg either. That's a bit of a reach. It's... I think it's yeah. You know, I should have reviewed this Easter egg <laughs> list before talking about it because you know what's going to end up happening, Dave. You're going to get angry. I'm going to get angry because <laughs> these aren't Easter eggs. Uh, two crew members are rocking visors. That's an Easter egg. Yes, there was little attention brought to it. We sleep in the hallway. This is uh, related to Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country. We saw several young crew members. <sighs> see no that that i don't consider an easter egg uh one i do consider because i have one pulled up right here is uh the black hole in the in the opening credits is from discovery that's a visual from discovery that they took yeah you know what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna put together my own list of easter eggs i'm gonna listen very carefully during the next episode because i will be able to pick all them out if i was ready with a notepad (laughs) Because this this isn't. Because you have to really judge. Is it an Easter egg? Okay, this is one that I do agree with that I did pick up on. When Marinus says she's been in a Klingon prison where I had to fight a that Yeti one. for my own shoes. Yes. That is from Undiscovered Country. That's Undiscovered Country. Yes. And Rural that's Pente. <laughs> to the Klingon prison planet. <laughs> Rural Pente. <laughs> did you recognize any? Uh, let's see. Try to actually bring up stuff that people are saying is one. Okay, I didn't pick up on this. Tell me if you did. Mirror Spock. For an instant, a Vulcan crew member on the Cerritos is covered with black goo from the space zombies. This gives him the brief appearance of having a a goatee like Spock from the Mirror Universe in the classic original series episode mirror mirror yeah i just actually okay. uh, saw that one and yeah that that is an easter egg and i remember that one i think the only one they got right is uh like the uh, undiscovered country and martok those are the two ones i'd agree with the site uh, yeah that one and the the prison one's a good one yeah um did i not say that no the prison planet oh the prison planet yeah. okay yeah yeah, so we'll have to put together a list. We'll have to watch with a notepad, Dave, and just write them all down as they come along. Because I picked up quite a bit. In fact, I probably picked up more than they actually did here. Well, the thing is... Like, some of these are not... I, 
I'd say 80% of these are not even Easter eggs. Well, the one that everyone keeps talking about is the one that, in the very end, Mariner's Rant, where she rants about all the famous Star Trek characters. Yeah, but that's not an Easter egg, though. That's just stating... That's she's. That that's just stating the obvious. That's called continuity. I've said that before. She's just talking about things that's happened in the world of Star Trek. That's not exactly. that's not an Easter egg. Yeah, so I'm not gonna beat a dead horse. I'm not gonna go through this every every episode discussion, Dave. Because the thing is, when you bring up Easter eggs, fans just don't understand what an Easter egg is. I know. All right, Dave, because we are trying out a new platform for our shows, guess what we need to do? We need to go to another very quick break. Transporter, stand by. <laughs> All right. So let's talk briefly. Then we got to close out our discussion okay. with an RMD score. I'm actually really interested to see where your score is because my score might surprise people. Well, hold on. Let's talk about the Trek theme first. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you, Dave. It's my favorite part of the entire yeah. thing. Because it feels like an actual old Dude, it feels, Star Trek theme. Yeah, it feels like a cross between Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and TNG. Yeah. It has all the similar sounds. It has the beginning of Deep Space Nine. It has the slow like dreamlike drift, the lost feeling of Voyager, but it has that definitive Trek vibe of TNG. G, yeah. And it's definitely, I'm, I was really surprised on how this theme actually does more for the series than because remember, now, I, like, I like it better than, than Discovery's theme. I like it more than Discovery's, and I definitely like it more than Picard's. Oh yeah, because I <laughs> I actually I like the Discovery theme. Quite I like a bit. the Discovery theme, and I like Lower Decks theme. But I think Lower Decks is much better. Picard's theme, I just don't. It doesn't really feel like anything. It didn't feel like anything. It doesn't feel it like wasn't... Star Trek. It just feels like a regular standard HBO style opening. It, it was like almost like almost. Two tones. It felt dialed in. Let's just say yeah, that because you know in. that's just that's just how Picard was as a whole. And here in Lower Decks, I'm like going. <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised that they put the effort into putting a competent theme for the show, which I think is really important for a Star Trek show because every single Star Trek series has been kind of tied to their theme song. You know, when you hear. Deep Space Nine uh, theme song, you know you're going to get a Deep Space Nine story. Yeah. Same thing like with every other series, even down to Enterprise. We make fun of Enterprise's theme because of how cheesy it is, but it works for that series. Yeah. And it and it kind of gives it gives it that vibe, that theme that you need for that series. Yep. With Lower Decks, I was like going. I'm so, I I love the fact that me and you were on the same page. I got the vibes of Deep Space Nine, but I also heavily got the Voyager thing, which yeah. makes sense for this crew. Yeah, because this crew is obviously really chaotic. They don't know where the hell they're going. So having that kind of like nod to that lost Voyager type thing makes sense for this series. Okay, so I have the theme here. You ready? Yeah. There is there's a the, moment of D Space Nine. Then there's the original series. The original series. And then it goes into Voyager. And then we got TNG. TNG, yeah. And then it becomes its own thing. Yeah. I, dude, and I love works. it. It pays hom- you know, homage to what came before. Yeah, and it works. This is how you this is how you establish your series for Star Trek. And the animation's beautiful. Yeah. The the characters are pretty standard, but the the space the space um Jesus, I can't talk, Dave. I knew it was going to happen at the some space point background. in the show. Yeah, the overall shots of the uh starships the aliens, especially in this intro here that we're watching, it's really crisp. Yeah. Oh, even the planets. 
yeah. planets look like they're this is this is what a actual theme or opening an opening scene of Star Trek always opens up with. It also is nice to be able to make out the spacecrafts, you know, the starships without a bunch of blur effects like in Picard where you can't even make heads or tail of what type of vessel we're looking at and the because thing, the entire thing is blurred out. Yeah. <laughs> and but here's the thing, the Cerritos actually looks like a decent ship. And, yeah, but and but it, <laughs> it it actually looks different. Yeah. It's different than any of the well, it has ships we've own, seen. It has its own unique design. Yeah. Which it needed to, as I have said numerous times now, it has to stand on its own as a Trek series as well. You can be whatever you want. You can be a Star Trek porn produced officially <laughs> by the Roddenberry estate, <laughs> but it needs to feel like Star Trek and it has to stand on its own as its own individual Star Trek series. Okay, Dave, we're running out of time. Okay. Overall thoughts in 30 seconds. Plus your RMD score. Okay. My overall thoughts for this, this, the show has a lot of potential. It really does. Um, I do give a word of warning to Star Trek fans. You might get turned off by it the first half, but give it a shot. Yeah. Work through it. You will, by the, by the middle of the episode, you will get into it and you just have to give the show some breathing room. Sometimes it's like having sex with a fatty, you know, it just takes a little bit to get going. Once you're in there, it's like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. This is a fun time. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah, yeah, true, true. true. But, <laughs> That's going to be cut. But like the overall, <laughs> I think a lot of people who are judging this and critiquing this also have to look it at the lens of this is going to be the, the, actually the first Star Trek comedy series that we're going to get. Well, it, 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 yeah, you're right. It, so you have to give it that, that shot because it's going to be so different than anything we've seen from I Star think, Trek. I, yeah, I would agree. And so my score for the opening, opening show is a 78. All right. All right, here I go, Dave. You ready for me? All right, here we go. I still need to figure out what the show is. And that's not my fault as a viewer that falls on the shoulders of the writers. Yes. It felt like they weren't quite sure what they want to do with this show. Is it this? Is it that? Is it both? It didn't feel like they were committing to any one idea as of yet other than, Hey, this is comedy. Yes. That being said, it does show a lot of potential the hook at the end with our main character and connecting her to other characters uh, brought a bit of um, substance to the overall package. And I'm looking forward to seeing how all of that works out. So enjoyed it. I definitely feel like Star Trek fans should check it out and also give it a chance. Give it another four or five episodes before you say, ah, this isn't, this isn't for me. Yeah. Because basing that on just 30 minutes or 27 minutes, I don't think it's fair. We yeah. didn't really get enough. So my RMD score is 71%. I want to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, David. Thank you. Live long and prosper. I couldn't help but notice your pain. My pain? It runs deep. Share it with me. End simulation.